Gavin and I are playing. Po- We're uh, playing footsie, footsie under the table. Oh, <laughs> guys, been, I didn't even it, know. It's been so long. Oh. <laughs> whiskey, whiskey. Welcome to the Whiskey Topic. I'm Mark Bylock. And I'm Jamie Johnson. And today we're, uh, we've got a bunch of visitors here from Whiskey Live. And I, we thought we'd get them into a room. So today's Whiskey Topic is basically fun whiskey friends. Yeah. Uh, we have, back to the show, Davin, uh, who's been on, he did a, basically the Canadian podcast. Um, yeah, really early really on. Early I think on. you were like one of our very first guests when and, we didn't know what favorites. we were doing. Yeah, yeah. totally. We were, yeah. I don't know if I want to re-listen to that one because be like, I'd be like, oh gosh, what well, was I talking about? Everybody said Davin t- sounded really great on that podcast. Oh, so that meant we, 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 we were, were so terrible, good. Yeah. but at least Davin <laughs> pulled it through. <laughs> Thank you for carrying us on that episode. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, Lawrence Graham says I have the perfect face for podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> De Kergamo is my last name. I notice how you carefully don't. Oh, Mark, do you want to know that Mark can't pronounce anything nothing i can't properly. pronounce any last name watching him try to say like some of the 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 scotch uh brand names is like uh it, it's hilarious <laughs> he won't say bunahaven he just no. calls it the bunny one that's true he just um, just abrilauer abunda i don't you know got it. i did i did, you did. see, see I've, I've practiced a little bit on that one and we also had, and I do know the next guest's last name, Fred Minnick. <laughs> I can pronounce that. Fred, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. Um, Fred wrote a bunch of books. You've been a longtime whiskey writer. Um, and uh, your first book was Women in Whiskey uh, in the Whiskey World. Yeah. And uh, you've got a new book coming out as well. Uh, yeah, the new book out is called uh, Bourbon, The Rise, Fall, and Rebirth of uh, an American Whiskey. Excellent, excellent. So we'll talk about that for a little bit. Um, but first, we're drinking some Canadian whiskey because here we are in Toronto. We're here for Whiskey Live. Um, and uh, so Davin, Jamie, Fred, myself, we just kind of raided the liquor cabinet of all our Canadian whiskey, some of our favorites. So uh, what are we all drinking? Let me start. Davin here. I'm, um, Mark Gillespie once asked me if I was on a desert island, it was my very last dram, what would it be? And I thought, well, he thinks I'm going to say Black Bomber, but I said uh, Centennial 15-year-old, Good Ehrman Wart Centennial 15-year-old, so that's what I'm drinking right now. It's one of my favorite whiskeys. I've got quite a few bottles of it still at home. There's something interesting about this bottle. It has a serial number in the back, A059287. I get so many emails from people asking me, I've got this bottle, such and such number, What's it worth? Or what can you tell me about it? Mm-hmm. Nobody keeps track of those serial numbers. Nobody does. So it's, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> but that is a legitimate dust. It distilled in 1952, uh, bottles 15 years later. That's right. Uh, and one of your favorites. Yeah, one of my very favorite uh, whiskeys. Not just Canadian whiskey. One of my very favorite whiskeys. The, the essence of Canada, pancake flavored, uh, lovely, lovely, beautifully richness. Buttery. Like that one. Davin, do you know the um, do you know the contents of this? It's um, 100% Canadian whiskey. It'll be uh, barley, uh, rye, and corn, mostly corn. The ratios, I do not know. Dude, what kind of barrels would they have used? Well, they would have used some new barrels, mm-hmm. but they would have used a, quite a few of the of. Uh, Recycled barrels, either ex-bourbon barrels or perhaps b- barrels that have been used a few times. The, there's a real benefit in using barrels that have already been used a few times in that it really allows the the chemical reactions in the spirit to take place. So genuine maturation is about oxidation 
in the barrel. As you know, the the, uh, the wood uh, really only affects the whiskey for the first year or so of maturation. After that, it's very limited, uh, the influence of the wood, and much more um, with oxygen coming in. It mixes with the water in the, in the spirit, forms hydrogen peroxide. That oxidizes the ethanol into acetaldehyde and uh, ethyl acetate, and you get all those, those lovely f high esters, those floral notes, and the fruity notes as well. So that's what it would be in this. The mouthfeel on it is, is, is kind of, it reminds me a little bit of an old rum from like the 30s it's, to 50s. It's very rum-like, Fred, but there is no mash bill. We, we rarely use a mash bill in Canada. We uh, distill each grain separately, mature it separately, and then bring them together as mature whiskies. So each one goes into a different kind of barrel so they can uh, so they can get the maximum flavor from that particular spirit. Mm. So it's, uh, but uh, yeah, it, it this is very rum-like, very much rum-like. This might be going on my top 10 list too. Hello. <laughs> this, it's, it's splendid. I mean, it's so creamy, butterscotch, and just loaded. The caramel is like, the complexity in the caramel, it's, it's, it's through the roof. Yeah, there's some burnt caramel there. Oh, and there's some butterscotch. And it's then, gorgeous. And there's that creamy creme brulee. What are you drinking? Well, Fred? that's why I have that, but I also have uh, the Dillon's, which is a new to me um, whiskey. I believe it's a, a rye. Yeah, 100% it's a Dillon's rye. rye. Now, what, usually when I see 100% rye, I, I kind of roll my eyes a little bit, and I expect to have a very herbal, uh, over-grainy, over-the-top kind of flavor profile. Not with this. I, it, it's it actually um, it's pretty young, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So it's it's got some so a, a layer of complexity to it on the nose. Like like right off the bat, you I get I get some sweetness in there that you wouldn't normally get from such a young rye. And then on the taste, you definitely can tell it's it, it's youth. But what you don't tell, you don't see any improper distillation. With new to me kind of whiskeys, I'm always looking for: is there anything improper there that I shouldn't be tasting? It's it's sound in that it's there's nothing bad going on, and then you do get a little uh, fleck of grain, but you also get some some nuance. The grain is like it's not raw; it's like in that it's in that uh, end of the stage of like a, a toasted bread or or like just a touch of a kind of a, a grain forward pancake. Or something like that. So I think probably about another year or two of this stuff in the barrel, that, that grain will be gone, and that will be more of a you know more of a nuanced note. But as it is now, it's very tasty. I just want to see what it's like in a couple more years. Yeah, it's a little bit of a young young whiskey. It's very much released as a here's where we're going, uh, and, and really kind of like a collector's item. Like yeah. this is some you know this is the experience you're gonna get. Uh, Dylan's. Is um, is a really great distillery. They do a lot of vodka gins and everything else, but they're they're very focused on that that whiskey program. Well, let's discourage the vodka distillation and encourage more of this because <laughs> it, yeah. they're they're moving in the right direction. There's like yeah. I said, there's no flaws in this. Yeah. You know, yeah. The only flaw you could say is its age. And, uh, and what would you consider a flaw on the nose on our young whiskey? Uh, something like uh, uh, nail polish, uh, turpentine. Um, uh, I also like if I. With rye in particular, there are some over medicinal notes that you know can be like a, an indication of how the the rye was cooked. Rye is a very difficult grain to ferment 
because if you if you cook it too fast or if you ferment it too fast it'll foam over kind of like you do with oatmeal if you cook it too fast it'll foam over so distillers are always trying new distillers are always trying to figure out how to reduce that foam and some of them will use enzymes in kentucky actually booker no used to tell people to use lard like he would go around and say put lard in your rise and that would cut it back and we're talking 60s and 70s they're not doing that anymore (laughs) that they talk about but so there's a lot of uh a lot of techniques that people do to try to control that foam but the thing is is you can you can taste the people who don't figure that out and they do it too fast or too slow and um, uh, you can get a lot of burnt uh, on, on the flavor pa- on the palate. You can get a lot of burnt flavors with rye. That kind of malted rye tends to get a little bit more burnt on the note, I noticed. It, although it has, seems to be all over the place. I've tasted three or four malted ryes, and they kind of have that range. But one thing I remember is kind of the burnt notes, but maybe that's from the distillation itself. Uh, it's delicate. You know, from it's, fermentation, rather. It, yeah, yeah it, it, when it comes to fermentation, fermentation is the most um, unappreciated f- process of of whiskey making like we give a lot of respect to maturation and distillation rightfully so but there are actual fermentation uh consultants where all they do is go around the distilleries around the world and help people ferment better and some of these guys are just saying you just need to add 0.5 ounces of this you know enzyme and it'll take care of everything or you need a you, you need a better yeast strain or whatever but there's um the system's in place at these larger distilleries they've been in place for a long time so they've got it down to uh to a science these new guys coming on board you you can taste their growth uh there's a distillery in uh in little rock called rock town little rock arkansas that's a distillery for me where i can taste its its growth from um from a like a very uh uh new to the distillation process to where they are now it's like they're their spirits are much more clean uh, than what they were originally. So people people figure things out, and it's um, it's fascinating to see that to see that process and taste. All right, um, and um, you know, Fred, why don't you have a taste of the Lot Forty uh, cast strength? As I'll talk about that one. Um, so you know, we've I've, I don't know if I've actually mentioned the Lot Forty cast strength on the podcast. I've written about it. I but mean, you've talked a lot about it. I can't I can't recall whether or not you've been on a microphone or not. Exactly. <laughs> you talk about this all the time. Um, <laughs> but you know, Lot Forty is one of our favorite Canadian rides. Absolutely, rise. yeah. Uh, I did it. I put it in a tasting yesterday. Yeah, yeah, I love this. Love, love. And I I would actually, I would say it is my favorite. Canadian whiskey. Yeah. Canadian Whoa. whiskey of the year twice yeah. at the Canadian Whiskey Awards. Yeah. Exactly. With yeah. different judging panels. Yeah. Mr. DeCorgamo told me on the way in, he said, you haven't had Canadian whiskey until you've had Lot 40 Castring. Oh. And David and I, we've been friends for a long time. And uh, can I just say a sidebar here? Mm-hmm. It's so good to see you, brother. It's, you it's, too. It's, it's so good to see you. Like, oh, two we, guys hugging in the lobby I, of the Royal York Hotel. You know, it's funny. It's like, it. think what you want, people. Think what happy. you want. <laughs> is that he, he knew me when I was starting out in my career as a, as a whiskey writer, and he gave me the same time and attention, you know, that he that that he does now. So mm-hmm. that's the thing about Davin. It's yeah, Davin's really he, He's good. special in that regard. Oh, yeah. Christ, I'm going to blush. Aww. I know. Davin is a wonderful mentor, and he's uh, <laughs> done well for us in the writing community. Well, I think writers have to stick together. Mm-hmm. We have to support each other and help each other because uh, we're bigger together than we are as individuals. Fred, that Dylan's rye, I love it. And f- I'll tell you, I think that young rye whiskey is the future for Canadian 
micro distillers. They start out make, trying to make bourbon or trying to make single malt. They all come back to rye because rye, they, there are so many yeah, as yet undiscovered flavors with rye whiskey. And in Canada, whiskey matures very slowly. So whiskey that might taste good at three or four years old in Kentucky, in Canada, it takes five or six or seven years for it to get colder. the same kind. Because, it's, mm. cause, yeah, it's cold here in the wintertime. But there's a trick that some of the big Canadian distilleries use. They'll add a little bit of very young rye to their whiskey because it's got that brightness that you pulled out of that Dillon's. I think, and that Dillon's sold out instantly, by the way. It's no more available. Uh, Stillwaters, they made a little batch of rye whiskey just to see, and it's now more than 50% of their production. It's just going like hotcakes. And the thing is, they can make this and they can sell it at a competitive price it, and, it, and it, it doesn't take very long for 100% rye whiskey to begin to taste really really ready to drink and really good it's yeah. gorgeous I mean it's got and, and I'm excited to say and when I say that I'd like to see it in a, in a couple more years I really Me mean too. that because that's like that's like um, you know potentially like craft distiller of the year because mm-hmm. the distillate it's flawless for, for what it is for its youth yeah so. I think it's um I think it's fabulous. There's I a cherry that. in there too. Yeah, like a nice yes. little yeah, cherry. Yeah, hundred percent. Yes, the little spicy. Yeah, I haven't tasted it for a while. It's yeah, that, that's a surprise. Cherry on a young whiskey is always a surprise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the notes. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's delicious. So that's the lot forty. Um, yeah. yeah, that's pretty rocking. And oh. of course, I've I've had lot forty many times, and I've I've tasted it, uh, the cast strength in competition. Mm-hmm. Um, this is actually my first time to knowingly oh. taste it. Yeah, interesting. Um, the yeah, absolutely the Lot Forty cast strength is not a product available online. Uh, sorry, available anywhere. Um, but Wiser's um, has really done a great job of reaching out to writers. Um, you know, they're they're sending in uh, Reddit community reviewers into the distiller. Yeah. They're really bringing in a bunch of people that just love whiskey and whiskey enthusiasts. And that Lot Forty cast strength, um, along with the Red Letter cast strength, are the products people are going there for yeah. um, and doing really well. Well, it's 100% rye aged in. Not Europe. available in Kentucky. Not available anywhere. Uh, it's that's nope. a that's a sample that's non right for sale right from the barrel yeah. product. Um, I've gotten two of those bottles. There's the first one had a lot more char. At the bottom. I know your first sample had a lot of char. Mine actually has a lot more char in it too. But we were lucky enough a couple episodes ago to uh, to go uh, and hang out with Dr. Don, um, and he pulled those samples for us. Um, and I'm being very greedy with mine. Although I don't have people over to my house as much as Mark does, so no one just goes for my lot 40 straight from the cast. But if I had more people over like to my house, I it's pro- it would probably be gone by And, and Trent, I, Trent's oh, being kept on a... Uh, uh, he, like, don't he cannot, touch that. He cannot drink that. Lose my, I will lose my <laughs> shit. Sorry. Oh, I was on such yes. a good streak. Swears. Uh... <laughs> I swore. <laughs> After so many episodes. I know, I did so, uh, I did so oh, well. Okay, cor- well, now it's gone. Yeah, to put done. a dollar in the jar? Yeah. <laughs> a little swear jar? That's actually a really good idea. I'd be broke, though. Right, uh, I'd be broke. Yeah, I would be so broke. That's true. Poor Mark has to, like, do a cork pop every time that I, I have a swears. Um, but, no, I love this one. I love, love, love this. Uh, the... I, I did it at a tasting last night and it was interesting. A lot of people, the the first thing somebody said to me when I came in was like, well, I don't like rye. I just, I've never liked rye. And I was like, mm, let's, let's see, like come, we'll talk after the tasting is over and then you let me know. And I gave him just the regular lot 40. Um, and he, after he took his like first sip, he just sort of like put his glass up and like, 
gave me the nod and he's like, I can't believe this. And I was like, I, and I didn't ask him what he had been drinking because here we sort of refer to Canadian whiskey sometimes kind of colloquially as rye, even if it's not a hundred percent rye. So I think, you know, whether or not, what, it'll be a mystery what he was actually drinking, but I could bet that it wasn't delicious Lot 40 rye. It's a very common Canadian story because yeah. in Canada, if you're young and in university and you're drinking, <laughs> you're probably drinking what you know as rye, which is just basically CC white label. And that becomes the drink that you have bad experiences with, that you've had your bad hangovers from, and then you never You've want been to touch your eye. Served what? And, and it's funny, exactly. And the further outside you go, outside of Metro, like Toronto, the more likely you're going to get people that are just like, no, no I can't I stand don't, I can't the rye. Say a rye. Just, it just yeah. the smell of it. Yeah. Um, so it is. It is a bit of a push sometimes to be oh, like, no, no, this is yeah. this is different. This isn't your yeah. your white label CC. Yeah. Uh, that you've mixed with Coke that you never drank straight anyway. Yeah. But that rye flavor <laughs> comes through so strongly on on the or at least the flavor of CC comes through so strong and with Coke or, or mix, you're, you're always going to associate that with rye, even yeah. if it's not necessarily right. that rye grainy forward. Yeah. 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 Oh, Loving man. parents tell their children not to drink whiskey in university. <laughs> they should drink tequila. <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Get yeah. it out on tequila. Yeah. Yeah. Well, some great tequilas. You know, I don't know. Drink I vodka. Know. vodka. Drink, drink vodka. vodka. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what I did. Oh, I drink Mike's hard lemonade. So anything Oof. with lemon in it now, not... No, it just doesn't fly. Just I have a hard time it. encouraging anyone to drink vodka, though, Davin. That's that's like the. <laughs> it's, it's like, like a, it's like a principle. It's like you're part of your moral yeah, fiber. It, it's kind of like encouraging him to drink flavored whiskey. <laughs> I've had I've had uh, media company, PR companies come here and be like, "Could can you get us to talk about whiskey?" I'm like, "I'll talk about oh, sorry about vodka and I'll talk about vodka, but we'll mock it the entire time. Yeah. It, this will be one joke after another." So I'm like, "If you have a brand ambassador that wants to come on, tell me how wonderful vodka is, and wants us to just riff on them for." for 30 minutes sure. would love to do it I'm, sure. I can't wait they better have a good sense of humor they though have- <laughs> <laughs> in, good for you <laughs> in, in fairness the vodka that's made in Poland and Russia under different regulations uh, as well as Sweden uh, than we have here in North America uh, allows for better um essence to come through because they're not coming off the still at 190 proof yeah yeah I've, I do um, I do have some Polish vodka it's about the only vodka I have some of the micro distilleries though are making vodka that probably wouldn't pass the vodka test because right. it tastes too good yeah yeah they're doing like uh things like apples and uh, the bases that uh, and they're not using as many perforated trays in their columns uh when they get to that high level so they're not having they're getting to that high level but they're not stripping as much so yeah you know fred uh, you, you raised it so uh tell us what does that mean uh, for our listeners uh the proof levels and how that matters so uh, so ethanol comes off the still between 190 and 195 proof. Uh, that, by law in the United States, is what vodka is coming off uh, the still. And uh, the, the regulation states that it has to be odorless and tasteless. Um, and there's other countries that don't have that law. You know, they have, you know, they can come off at 160 to 180 proof. And so uh, with, with most of the whiskeys, people are just coming off the still about 130 proof. And the higher you go up, the more you're purifying or stripping away from it. Um, but as is the case in rum and some other ways and some other types of uh, spirits, you can actually hit a like 185 to 100, 192 proof off of the still but you're not stripping as much uh, out, and that's because they, they don't have the the stripping the stripping plates in there that uh, that some of the bigger 
or they're not distilling it, you know, six times or whatever. So there's there are vodka companies that their claim to fame is that they're uh, distilled ten times, twenty times, ten times. uh, (laughs) I don't think twenty. And and they're trying to get it as pure as possible. And uh, when you're drinking, when you're drinking uh, spirit, uh, I, I don't think you want to drink rubbing alcohol. At least that's my thought. I, I now the the guy who needs to drink uh, a fifth every morning in the parking lot of a liquor store, he's got different priorities than I do when it comes to drinking alcohol. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I guess a good example, Davin, would be like the Crown Royal, the single barrel selection, right? Where that's uh, lower proofed, uh, high component grain versus just you know versus uh, something that's been proofed at a high level. Yeah, that's pro- that's distilled off at a very low proof. Yeah. Uh, to- what it's about 64 percent alcohol comes off so it's at 128 proof yeah uh <clears throat> there's a lot more flavor in that now that's a misconception that you're tasting the grain though most of those flavors come from yeast lot 40 mm-hmm. that's all yeast flavors not as and people talk about how you're this is what the grain tastes like and this it's this because they don't understand how distilling works generally most of those flavors come from the yeast going back to fermentation the importance of fermentation yeah if you look at at a at a grain grain is a seed the outer coat of the grain is made from exactly the same stuff that wood is made from cellulose hemicellulose and held together by lignin all the flavor you're getting from that comes from the lignin it's exactly the same flavor you get from the oak it's really it's it's quite interesting but in canada we aren't able to distill up to what they call the azeotrope. Most stills are not efficient enough. So I think about about uh, 188 proof is about the highest we can go in Canada with the big stills, like the big stills at Hiramaka, for example. So you never really get to distill off all the flavor. So what we do up here, if we're tr- going to make vodka, we'll distill it a couple of times and then filter it and filter the, fl- the rest of the flavor out to make vodka. But uh, you never, you, you can't get rid of all of it in the stills here. I mean, it would be very, very expensive to do so. The other thing is, once, once you reach uh, 190 proof, you hit what they call the azeotrope, and then the water and alcohol are both evaporating at the same rate. Oh, interesting. And so it's just, you just if you want to... You can never hit 100%. You can never hit, you can never hit even 95%. Oh, interesting. So it's, uh, it's just... The way we've got our stills set up here. Yeah, yeah. The way to look at distillation is basically it's a filtration process. You want to filter out anything but the alcohol and a little bit of water that just happens to come up. Um, the higher the proof level, the more you're filtering out, the more pure your product is going to be as far as alcohol. When it comes to rye and bourbons and uh, scotches, you want a little bit of, you want some of that grain. So you don't want it to be perfectly pure. You want that fermentation, everything that happens in fermentation, you want some of the flavors to come through. Um, but like we keep saying, whatever it is, 50 to 80% of the flavoring comes from barrels. Do you guys have an opinion on how much percentage comes from barrels? Because it's always 50 to, in my book, I write 50 I, to 80%. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Davin that I don't think enough credit goes to yeast. Yeah, mm. I think yeast is the one thing, uh, and the best example is Four Roses. I was just going to say, you got you must be like, behind four roses in yeah. there. They're sort of uh, like, they're very transparent about the, the strains of yeast. And the reason why they had that is there are four former uh, Seagram's distillery, and Seagram has this uh, method that you had to have 10 recipes going into a batch in order to have a consistent product. Well, they had five uh, distilleries in uh, Kentucky, and they would have, you know, they would pipeline those, uh, and at each time they would close a distillery, the... Uh, uh, Seagram would have a guy create a new yeast strain. And so that's how they end up with five yeast strains is because it was out of, um, it was basically out of necessity of, of their, 
of their belief in five and ten different um, you know recipes going into a batch. But uh, I can taste it every time. I mean, I think so I think yeast favorite? is. What's your favorite? Uh, my favorite combos? yeast. Yeah. Um, it depends on my mood. Uh, but F is pro- F and K are probably my favorites. Mark and I always go nuts over OESK. We do. We That's do. the OESK one that nice. we when we send our friends to the states, and they're like, "What? What should we get?" Like, if there's a barrel pick and it's yeah. OESK, just grab as many as you can get across the border. And our friends do. They're such they great do, friends. They do. Yes. Yeah. So we actually do have a, a couple friends. We just you know we just go around to their houses and drink all their OESK. Mm-hmm. So here's a little Good. known fact for you regarding yeast. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the Seagram's distilleries, most of them, uh, used uh, the V yeast. And so MGP uh, uses the V yeast. So Interesting. Anything that was a former Seagram's distillery have the same. Have this, have, they either have it or they have access to the same one because it was their property. And it was the, that, was what, uh, that was the mainline yeast. Uh, but to answer your question, my thought is that every, every product is different. Yeah. Because if you have a... Uh, a, a corn whiskey, for example, is going into used cooperage, and that is not going to have the same level of impact as bourbon, which has to go into new, char- new charred oak. So I, I think it's different for every product. Davin, what do you think? Well, I think most of the flavor, much of the flavor, it depends on the whiskey, obviously, mm-hmm. but much of it develops in the barrel. But I think the, the input of wood is grossly overrated and if you look at at charts to show the the contribution of wood to whiskey over time uh, you'll see that by about the 200th day that's two-thirds of the way through the first year the wood is really not contributing any more flavor from charring after that you get ethanolysis where the ethanol will slowly chew away at the at the lignin and and help some cellulose and hemicellulose but really the contribution of the wood then is is quite marginal it hits there and you can taste it but it takes about two years to taste an increment after the two after 200 days uh really i think most of the, of the flavor that you get in the barrel comes from chemical interactions within the spirit and a lot of that is caused by oxidation from oxygen coming in when the other thing too is the more you char a barrel the less flavor it gives to the whiskey because as you char the barrel you incinerate the flavor molecules and what you're left with is charcoal the real benefit of a barrel especially a charred barrel is to strip the dirt out of dirty spirit because the charcoal it's a, it's a, a physical process where uh, s- s- uh Sulfur, uh, sulfur compounds will adhere to the outside of the charcoal. It's called adsorption, not absorption, adsorption. And, and that, so the reason that people use a, a heavy char is to strip the, the bad flavors out of, of uh, dirty spirit. And I, I visited um, Headframe Spirits a little while ago, and they have this, these stills they built themselves. Their spirit comes off this still really quite clean really quite clean and they're using alligator char barrels i said why are you doing this do you not realize you're stripping all the flavor out of your whiskey and their whiskey is very very light really light and they make other uh, other spirits as well but those stills take so remove so much the spirit is so clean coming out of those stills 
really, I told them that you should be putting these in either toasted barrels or used barrels because you're not going to get any flavor development in a charred barrel like that. So it's a, the, 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 input, the, the value of the barrel is, has been highly overrated. Now, if you're using brand new wood the first time, you get a lot of flavor coming from the barrel. But uh, there's this misconception that the way you make whiskey is you soak flavor out of wood. And then you get all these people coming, oh, well, then let's just put spirals of wood into our, our whiskey. Put spirals of wood into the bottle. It tastes horrible. It That's, really does. Yeah. It, it tastes. It's a thing now. People are selling pieces of wood that you can put into a don't, young spirit don't do it. to don't buy it. age it. Don't buy it. If there's a market, you'll find a consultant that'll find a way to get your money. I, I really feel feel bad for the micro distillers because you got all these consultants coming around and they're really good talkers and they're selling them things that will not work. So should we become consultants? You no, I, I don't. I, I don't well, you can't, Fred, if you want. But, uh, I, I tell my I wife, I'm in the self-actualization phase of my life, and I'm not going to rip anybody off. I'm yeah. not going to tell anybody a lie, but I'm going to tell it the way I think it is. So you brought up a really interesting point, one that uh, I'm noticing that the bigger people, uh, the bigger brands are actually following up on, and that there is a lot of wood in these new limited editions coming out. Uh, and I think that's somewhat driven because uh, a lot of consumers want wood. I, I, I'm, I'm seeing people um, enjoy bourbons that I think taste like an open log, you know, split open. Like chewing on a log. Yeah, I, I, I see so many new... And here's an example. was the Knob Creek 2001. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one was... I think I gave it an 82 for for Whiskey Advocate, which is not a bad score on its own, but if you want to pay $200 or whatever the price was for an 82 bourbon, knock yourself out. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but I thought that was I thought that was over-oaked. I thought it was extremely over-oaked. Mm-hmm. And there's a, been a lot of releases since that one to suggest that the that the companies are releasing uh, products in American whiskey that are very wood forward. And these are people who do not do things because uh, they think it's a good idea. They do it because they're focusing on the trends of what people are drinking. Yeah. And I'm noticing it myself in these in the little social media worlds that we live in. People like oak, and there's this they though, and a lot of it comes from the dusty hunting side of things. Like we like. People will get these old bourbons from the 50s and the 60s, and there will be some uh, some bitterness in there. And some of it may be how it was aged or whatever, but they're not as creamy as like what we have here with no. the Centennial. They're not flawless. They'll have some oak in there. And so they get they get this old dusty palate, and they're trying to translate it into the, to the contemporary market. I think that there might be a, a, a little bit of an impact of the... Um, the dusty, the the the, dusty the, enthu- the enthusiastic group that's out there of consumers who seek old dusties, and it's influencing the stuff that's being released now because those older bur- people have developed a, a palate for bourbons that and whiskeys in general that are really old and oaky. Yeah. Yeah. I've tasted some fabulous old bourbons, but a lot of those old dusties don't taste like they did when they were bottled. Uh-huh. If there's been light on them, they've changed. Some of that bitterness may just may simply be because they've been sitting too long in a, in a clear glass bottle. But Fred, here's a prediction for you. I think that the next big trend in bourbon is going to be used barrels. 
I think they're going to start reusing barrels, and I think they're going to get a lot broader flavor palette. I think that there is some wonderful, wonderful bourbon spirit out there, and if they could only leave it in the barrel for longer, it would just be fabulous. It would be twice the... the I would like to see that. They couldn't call it bourbon, though. They would have to Who say... Who cares? They can call it anything they, they call want. They call it American whiskey. They can the, call it American the, whiskey. There's... They can call it wood vodka if they want. I don't <laughs> <Yeah>. care. <laughs> but... <laughs> I, and I agree from a, from a flavor perspective that uh, used cooperage offers a, a lot of opportunity. Uh, mm-hmm. There's just some regulatory issues there uh, that have not been kind of approached since really the 19th. Well, you know, there are there regulatory problems? I don't think so. To I be think bourbon, re- it has to be finished. There are naming yeah. problems, but, but there is no regulation that prevents them from using use cooperage it just says you can't call it bourbon yeah they could call it they could call it um uh, american whiskey or corn whiskey uh actually corn whiskey has to just has to be minimum 80 percent corn yeah uh but there's no market for that and the thing is and the reason why there's no market for that is because um there's not there's not any kind of appreciation for that side and people think of corn whiskey is really cheap but I think if they if they pursued an effort and just called it an American whiskey, mm-hmm. and High West was really the was really the brand yeah. that showed mm-hmm. you could do that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, they started doing these blend of straights, and they were doing these labeling these things as High West uh, American whiskey, um, and so they're the brand that showed that you can do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. their High West makes fabulous whiskey, yeah. including the whiskeys that they blend, mm-hmm. and they just sold for one. 40, 145, 145 million, million, 160 million. I I don't know. I don't remember. It was, it was, Uh, it was a chunk of change. Yeah. We had uh, Jeff on the podcast that interview with him at tales. And, uh, I loved his his answer to why are you being so open? Nobody else in the industry is being so open. He's like, well, I came from the pharmaceutical industry, and this is so similar. We had to plan products ten years ahead, just mm-hmm. like in the whiskey world. We had to be open about everything we do, just like they did. And I think they a great example and a really wonderful result for them. Very rewarding. Mm-hmm. In defense of the industry about their transparency, and I've been I've probably been the biggest um, thorn on their side publicly about being more transparent. Uh, rum is a lot worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they put on fake age statements and they just uh, they're they're the most uh, they're the worst. Rum people are the worst in terms of transparency. <laughs> um, you have you have actual uh, sugar beet rum out there and you have sorghum rum out there. And the fact mm-hmm. is, is the law says it has to come from sugar cane. But anyway, that's a, that's a side note. But they can't really forecast demand um, as well as we want to give them credit for doing no one saw this coming where we are mm-hmm. and in, in these barrels that they're, they're they're putting out now the they'll, they'll say that they're found or that there's some kind of uh oh look we had them or we've been sitting them off the side and then no that's not the truth the truth is is that they were just holding on to them and they didn't you know fit the profile that they wanted they didn't have a brand for it and it just mm-hmm. it was sitting in a warehouse mm-hmm. and the fact is is that you know, the further you get away from the distiller and the and the production uh, manager and the and the warehouse keepers, you know, the the further you get away from, you know, what is reality. I mean, branding and marketing is really probably about going back to the percentages of what the flavor is, the price of what you pay for, uh, the majority of its tax. The next amount is uh, marketing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah. then after that, it's the actual raw materials. Absolutely. So. Um, I don't mean to interrupt, but uh, Davin is uh, going down to uh, oh boy. Virginia right now with go. whiskey. Uh, do we have any quick... Should we put this on ice in like a big bucket? And see, and, that's like, the problem turn. with labeling something American whiskey. Look, that's one labeled American whiskey. Yeah. And yeah. it actually says not from Virginia on the back. Can, can, can I be perfectly honest with you, Mark? Yes. I was looking for an empty vessel to pour this into mm-hmm. because it's, I, I don't, I'm not enjoying it. Yeah, yeah. I will definitely help you in that department. But please describe. I am not surprised. You know, no, I mean, it's it is re- very flavorful, but it doesn't it ta- it doesn't taste like real like nice real bottle. It tastes like um, molasses or something. Yeah, it's very sweet. It's cloying, cloyingly sweet. I find um, it's got quite the color for a. It's a young beautiful. Whiskey. Oh yeah, it looks great. <laughs> Thanks, thanks, Mark. <laughs> we should probably get Davin a new glass as well, because oh, that's gonna that's gonna stick around. I'm a big boy. That's gonna stick around there for a while. <laughs> there you go. It's a rough life. It's hard, you guys. Fred, I want you to taste this whiskey. Yes. This whiskey yeah. was just dis- yeah. it was distilled to um, 94 percent. Right. 188 proof. I had this last time I was in Canada. Yeah, well, I'm never going to let you get out of here without drinking this. <laughs> it's the rule now, Fred. It's distilled to 188 proof. It's got no flavoring in it. It's All of the flavor that's in that comes from what happens in the barrel. And it's matured in barrels that have been used at least three times before. You know, this is the time Weiser's wasn't in the States. No new wood. No, nothing, nothing, not even first fill, first refill wood. Um, the the red letter cast strength that uh, yeah. Gorb- Corby's is uh, pouring is also really interesting. Reused oak, uh, not as oaky. Once used oak though. Oh, so rinse, yes, yeah, that's right. First, fill, first refill bourbon cast. Yeah. Um, also a good example. Yeah. We're talking about Weiser's 18 year old, a spectacular whiskey. It won whiskey of the year and whiskey advocate a few times. This is a whiskey that Lou Bryson has just extolled. Uh, in in Whiskey Advocate yeah, magazine, loves this one. and it really uh, show, puts the lie to the story that distilling to a high uh, ABV produces a, a flavorless whiskey. Because this whiskey is richly flavorful, it's robust, it's loaded with flavors, it's elegant, it's it's very complex, and it's got beautiful balance. Oh, I'm listening. You know, I'm 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 not on TV, and it's a good thing because I'm really quite excited about this whiskey. It's interesting too. Um, the and you're saying there's no additives in here. Um, the caramel flavor comes through so heavily on a lot of Canadian whiskeys that use reused oak. Um, where does that come from? Like, because it is that those caramels, the butterscotches, those flavors are just so prominent, and you don't see them in bourbon. Uh, you don't see them in scotch, certainly. Uh, it is very much a Canadian uh, whiskey flavor profile. It's a different kind of caramel, but I, I do get caramel in in bourbon, but it's a different kind. Absolutely, yeah. And where does this come from? Yeah, this comes from the wood. Because remember I said wood is made from uh, cellulose, hemicellulose, and lignin? Cellulose and hemicellulose, they're essentially just long sugars that are all just attached together, big long molecules that are really just made up of a bunch of sugars. When those are broken down, as they are broken down during charring, but more as they're broken down by the ethanol, because it's a process called ethanolysis where it just goes in and it's kind of like, it works like acid on the on the wood, breaks it up into little pieces, and you get these, these short sugars. So you, caramel you get from the toasting it uh, caramelizes the sugars 
And then you also pull oak sugars out of the wood through this ethanolysis process. So, yes, you get a lot of caramel flavors in uh, in uh, Canadian whiskey, and a lot of that is because we are using uh, uh, reused cooperage. And so we're not. We see if you use new wood, it overwrites all of the other flavors. It it erases the flavors of the grain. It erases all the, those other flavors. Not it doesn't erase them entirely, but it overwrites them. That's why that's why um, you know bourbon tastes so good when it's so young. You know, because it's got uh, it's it's got brand new wood, but it still ha- it hasn't had time for the wood to to completely obliterate the the other flavors as well. So yeah, this, the, the, these flavors we're tasting in this come from um, the wood. Now I'll, I'll be honest, I've tasted this stuff straight off the still. It is still a little bit sweet, and remember that that alcohol itself has a little bit of sweetness to it. It is, it is this little bit sweet. It does have some flavor in it, but most of that flavor comes from the wood. And those notes that we're smelling, you know, the esters and the, the, the flowers, the, you know, the, the, the roses, the, the, the fruitiness, all that comes from oxidation that's happening in the barrel. It, uh, I mean, if, there, if you ever, ever have someone tell you that reused cooperage is, uh, is not good, let them taste this whiskey, and they're, they'll be flabbergasted. It does seem like, like, like with many issues, there's there's just misunderstandings on both sides. Whether people say new oak is the best, reused oak is, you know, like there's just a lot of there's just education is key. Like getting like, good examples of each of these is amazing. It's yeah. also like a sort of quintessentially like North American thing because in Scotland, the entire industry. Mm-hmm is built upon reused ex-bourbon casks. Like if we, if they didn't have ex-bourbon barrels it, in Scotland, it'd be, it'd be done, right? They're already struggling for sherry barrels over there. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, so yeah, no, I mean that, you know, it, it's, 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 uh, all part of it, I think. And so, yeah, basically it's, it's, uh, I feel like it's only sort of here that we get yeah, into Canadian, the, the yeah. reuse barrel argument. I'm actually kind of fascinated yeah. listening to it because, you know, being in the, in Kentucky, um, you know, we talk so much about, you know, new charred oak and all my classes, I talk about that, but I never once discredited a whiskey for being in reused. used and used yeah. barrels. Never mm-hmm. once. Yeah, mm-hmm. In fact, yeah. I, I'm like, I actually like, uh, Corn whiskey to me is one of my favorite categories in American whiskey right now. I wanted now. to ask you. So mellow corn sort of went on this, had this like hipster resurgence in Kentucky. And for a while it was apparently hard to get a hold of because all the like the hipster bartenders were coming in and just buying it up and buying up all the merch that came with it. And it had this sort of like sort of underground thing. So did you, did you see that? Like, did you? Oh yeah. Um, uh, and Mellow Corn uh, was uh, basically seeing something more in the bartending community, which was mm. wanting something good and cheap. And mm. you don't get any more cheap than uh, Mellow Corn uh, for a bartender. How much is it? How much is it chart? Like, do you get it for? The I think I get it for seven bucks for seven fifty. <laughs> I don't think yeah. they're legally allowed to sell bottles for less than ten dollars, twenty dollars. Twenty-five here. bucks yeah. in Canada. <laughs> it's very inexpensive. Um, but really, the big reason why is they have a, you know, I, I'm a believer in talent. Like, you, you follow you follow things that are successful, and you'll find people of talent connected to them. There's a guy there uh, with Heaven Hill named Bernie Lubbers. He used to be with Beam. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, and Bernie, uh, he has a big old tattoo of the bottle and bond on him. Uh, he was on my Tales of the Cocktail panel uh, this past year about bottle and bond. But this guy, that's his passion. And he more than anybody brought bottle to bond back as as a as a meaningful 
phrase for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mellow corn is bottle and bond. It's right there in the thick of it. So hmm. that's a big reason why. But there's other uh, other distilleries making good, I think, very flavorful um, corn whiskey. Uh, there's one, in, a couple of them in Texas, Balconis, mm-hmm. uh, an Iron Root uh, distillery. Um, Iron Root uh, won some competition I was a part of. They won Best Corn Whiskey or Best Other American Whiskey. And I thought uh, for the palate, I thought they were like number two or three for the uh, American whiskey categories because you have to understand corn whiskey to appreciate it. You're going to taste a little bit of corn and there's nothing wrong with that. I happen to like corn on the cob. Yeah, so, yeah, me too. Uh, but, popcorn. Uh, yeah, popcorn's yeah. great. Yeah. But there's so many categories in American whiskey, but all, all people want to talk about is bourbon, um, you know, and, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, I write books about bourbon, so I'm obviously happy about that. Mm-hmm. But, but the fact is, is that there's so many opportunities for, from used barrels, like we get back to the barrel mm-hmm. perspective. Uh, and, and I think people are taking advantage of that. In fact, you're seeing bourbon distillers do it. They're just getting around it. They're saying bourbon finished in pork barrels or bourbon mm-hmm. finished in sherry casks. Uh, and that's a little bit of a uh, division in the in the geek ranks. But <laughs> at, at the end I of like the day, that, yeah. you know, it tastes pretty good. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it does cause a little bit of that. It is sort of a little... We get pissed off about everything yeah. now. No. Yeah, <laughs> the, the internet in general the, and, yeah. and whiskey geeks I in mean, general. The, yeah. the internet especially. Yeah. 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 yeah, no, we, we talk about that on the show all the time. <laughs> well, I always need to, like, take a little internet break sometimes because, like, something will happen, and then I'll watch it, like, blow up, and then I'll start to be like, Ugh. Just I be glad you're uh, not an American uh, and have to vote in this uh, oh election. Boy. Yeah, no, we're very glad. Uh, it's oh very boy. difficult right now. I can't yeah. even What's happening, imagine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a... It's a painful process. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, the explicit uh, sign just went on this podcast. This is the moment to start talking. Oh, that about was and it wasn't even because of my swear. <laughs> it, 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 the night's just beginning. Right. I, I'm That's sure right. all my Canadian friends are going to be coming at me. What the hell's happening in your country right now? Oh, you know? oh my God. Oh, man. I was in I was in Virginia for on a ski trip in uh, early years of the Bush years, early like 2002, 2003. And every person from Virginia was like, we're really sorry. Not all of us believe in Bush. Oh my Not all gosh. of us. It was very kind because you know, we're from Canada. We're like as, as liberal as it gets. Like, who uh, cares? Uh, right. And then they're just like, everybody's apologizing. I can't even imagine what would happen if <laughs> Trump got elected. The apologies. Oh Bush is starting to look pretty good for a lot of people. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Um, but you guys are all going to be in the author's row yep. at uh, Whiskey Live tonight. I will be over at the Jim Beam booth. So come visit some bourbon. Me. Yeah. I'll sneak you a bottle if I can, if Matt Jones lets me. Yeah. Did you know that Matt Jones just won in the Icons of Whiskey, American uh, Whiskey Ambassador of the Year? No. What? Matt Jones. What? Congratulations. Wait, what? Yesterday. Yesterday. Yesterday? I didn't even see it on the internet. I, I'm texting <gasps> oh, them right shoot. now. shoot. I didn't even tweet it. He deserves Amazing. it. Amazing. He deserves it. Yeah. Beyond, uh, beyond, 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 beyond. Absolutely. I mean, he is, you know, he's... 
unbelievable. He's yeah. just the best. And he was on the cover of Whiskey Magazine yeah. three or four issues ago. It'll be in Canada in, by Christmas. I was going to say, can we get it tonight? Because I was waiting to take my selfie with the with the Matt Jones cover. You, you better yeah. get there quickly. There, are, I think they have a hundred copies to give out tonight. What? Okay, I'm gonna. I gotta get. And there uh, I think that yeah, we got to get Jonesy to sign those oh, things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. We should put them on Authors Row. Yeah, we should have them signing yeah. his oh, magazine totally. on Authors right. Row. Yeah, because when he comes, fan. so it's so funny. I've worked with Matt like many, many, many times, and 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 being in the booth with him is amazing. So he'll come in from like a master class, and he'll just like walk right into the booth, and then it's just like he's on. Yeah, and you're just like just watch him go, and it's like boom, 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 and he's just talking to everybody. Hey, brother, how's it going? Blah 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 blah, and you're just like let the master work. Like just take a step back, pour yourself a little dram, and just watch him go because. He is exceptional at what he does. Um, and just for the listeners, so Matt Jones is the Beam Centauri Canadian brand ambassador. Yes. Uh, for specifically focused on bourbon, uh, Knob Creek, Booker's, Jim Beam, of course. Yeah. And Canadian uh, Club. And Canadian Club. Yeah, and Canadian Club. Um, and he, um, he's he been on the podcast a couple of times. We'll, yes. uh, we'll have the numbers and episode numbers in the show notes. But listeners have gone up to Matt Jones and said hi, and he said hi back, and they've you know been best friends since. And so yeah. he's, he's that kind of... Yeah. And I got to tell you, if yeah. you are uh, someone like myself who covers uh, the business and scores things, you wouldn't know he is... Um, brand affiliated on social Mm -hmm. media he's a very objective uh industry voice and for a long time i did not know he worked for uh beam centauri oh interesting yeah i just thought he was a uh kind of like an enthusiast Mm -hmm. and uh and then i saw him on a show or something and i was like oh you you work in whiskey (laughs) i mean this was like uh three four years ago so like uh when did he start working for beam centauri oh how long has he had that tattoo uh yeah (laughs) i think he's been he's been a brand ambassador for over five years i know that but i don't know how long he's like brand ambassadors have you know a certain because it's a crazy job and i think matt jones gives it 200 percent. so whatever you think uh the life of a brand ambassador is if you multiply that that's matt jones's like schedule and the way he works so uh i think he is like you know, he's been doing this for five, six years as brand at ambassador, least. at least. So we can count, you know, but he's been doing this 15 years, basically. Yeah, yeah mm. the way in the, the rate that he goes. And yeah. I'm always grateful when he gives me a call and says like, well, can you come do a presentation for me? Or can you come and like hang out in the booth with me? Or whatever, or when he says, hey, I have to pour at a Tony Bennett concert. Do you want to come and help me pour? And then I'm like, yeah, are you, can you just repeat that? <laughs> Actually, the phone call, I went, when he, he called me, he was like, I have two words for you, Tony Bennett. And I was like, I do enjoy his music. Yes, what, or what are you asking me? And he's like, I'm, I'm pouring at a Tony Bennett concert. Come help, you gotta help me. And I was like, yes, of course, I'll be there 100%. So It's okay. <laughs> I, it's, don't take it personally. Gavin and I are playing po- We're uh, playing footsie under yeah. the table. Oh, <laughs> guys, been, I didn't even know. It's been so long. Aww. Well, friends. Aww, it's Hashtag amazing. Hashtag friendship. Aww. Um, yeah. But yeah, so but, yay! But, yay! That's awesome. That's a great idea. I love that. So oh. by the time this airs, Whiskey Live would have been over. Um, but we've but our love for Matt Jones and doors continues absolutely. <laughs> uh, Davin's got a new book coming out. Oh it's yeah! So I know nothing about this. Uh, Canadian, Tell us everything. Yes. Canadian Whiskey: The Portable Expert Second Edition. Yay. I've seen it. 
I've uh-huh. seen the mock-up. It looks fabulous. Awesome. It's with a different publisher. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, Penguin Random House, but a different uh, uh, section of Penguin Random House. Um, it's got all new tasting notes, 115 new tasting notes. People in a checklist, so people can check off what they've uh, tasted. And uh, Nice. Then I've, I've completely rewritten uh, uh, parts of the, or all of the flavor chapters, the tasting chapters, things like that, updated, got a whole section on, uh, on micro distilleries. Uh, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's a, a, an update of what I had before, but there's a, a mass of new material in it. Oh, amazing. And it's coming in a different format, and uh, it's got a map of where all Canada's whiskey distilleries are. And when's it coming out? Well, it's not coming until September. 2017. Yeah, because he just finished writing because it, so that's how long just, it takes. Just finished it. It takes yeah. that long, and they're rushing it because For because sure. the other one has run out. I think there are about 2,000 cops to the other one out in stores now, and that's all that's left. So by Christmas, it will be gone. Yeah, get your so, copies uh, now. You, uh, yeah. That is the book publishing business. It is very slow. Yeah. Very slow, yeah. Uh, and, and Fred, your book. Uh, you yeah, so this. I've got a new book out. It's called uh, Bourbon, the Rise, Fall, and Rebirth of an American Whiskey, and basically I chronicled bourbon from a legislative perspective and studied uh, what happened during prohibition with medicinal whiskey distillers actually um, lobbied for medicinal whiskey and there were it's kind of a fun history as well as uh, during world war ii they had to make industrial alcohol uh, i spent a lot of time on that but i also uh, studied as to what happened like why bourbon uh, stopped being popular and in a word it's vodka and uh, yeah. which is it offers a little bit of my disdain for <laughs> yeah, uh, but it also about how it came back and why it came back and uh, and how it came to be. And okay. I offered some, I offered some new people uh, to the to the conversation about who should be considered the father of bourbon. So I studied a little bit of the or the early Kentucky distillers who were were doing similar things in the in the uh, late 1700s. Hmm. So. Awesome, awesome. That is available right now. It's available on Kindle and uh, Amazon. Yep, anywhere books are sold, it should yes. be available. Awesome, awesome. And this is going up on Wednesday? Yes. Okay, so come down to Whiskey Live four days ago. Yeah. And, <laughs> and Fred will be signing his book. And Mark's signing his book, too. Mark Tell signing us about the your cabinet. book. <laughs> I don't have any book coming up we next year. We love your book. No, we love the whiskey. I gave uh, a copy away uh, last oh, night. yes, that's awesome. Yes, a signed copy. And I actually said, because it was funny, at one moment I had two copies in my hand because I always bring your book uh, to tastings because I find that like it's just organized so well that I can just sort of flip through it. And I almost accidentally gave away my old dog-eared copy <laughs> with like post-it notes inside. It's like this thick now oh. because I'm, like it's got wet, it, there's like whiskey on the cover. And I was like, oh, just give me that one. I'm going to give you the actual nice one. I, I, You know what? I had a book the same. We all do, right? We, all, we read it and mark it up. Mark and I, and I gave it up by accident because I was, I was running around I had I was going to whiskey show and we needed like I needed like 25 books and I was like doop 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 I'm like okay I just grabbed one and I thought I had anyway it moved and so I grabbed it off the table and I'm like oh crap so I sold out everything's gone and I'm just like oh this isn't you gave away your note hey <laughs> My it's note like covered. it's like literally like signed by the author yes. in <laughs> more ways than one <laughs> You have the, you're like, oh, spelling error, like, can't yeah. believe I wrote that, like, this is wrong now. I actually don't yeah. do that. You don't? No, I, I tried, uh, I, I will read, um, 
I'll read the first press and then uh, make corrections of that and do it via mm -hmm. email. Of course, yeah. But I won't read my books once it's once yeah. it's out. Once it's out, like I, it, yeah, yeah I, I will see. I will entertain like factual errors and such. And every book will have at least um, you know in between ten and twenty factual errors, mm -hmm. and that's based on like uh, uh, like Pulitzer Prize winning historians saying like every book will have. That's not my opinion. That's right. people who are much more credible than I. And I just, you know, I don't want to read that old voice again. I'm, I, I yeah. always want to go into that next thing. The only book that I probably go back and read is Whiskey Women. Uh -huh. uh, Whiskey Women is a book that I go back and read a lot because it's, you know, the the, the research was so... No I, and, and probably this new book, too, I'll go back and read sections of it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, once it's out, man, it's out. That's true. The internet will tell you everything that's wrong with it already. Yeah. So I, I, I remember my first post, like, you got three things wrong. I'm like, three? That's it? This is amazing. <laughs> Somebody read my book. And of course, yes. there's more, yeah. but I'm like, only three. I'm like, you think you're criticizing my book by pointing out three factual. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Did you just swear? No, he didn't. No, I, I didn't. I said oh, okay. factual. <laughs> I use my book as a reference. I, I always I use have your a book with me. Uh, forever going back. What was the year that we were? Now we, that is true. I do do that. Yeah. yeah. I don't mark it up though. Yeah. Do you read your Amazon reviews? I don't. Good. But, don't but, do but I, I don't. But yeah. there was a time when I needed to do some, some kind of um, marketing. And so I went to Amazon and took a few quotes. But no, I don't read the reviews. But you know why? It can be incredibly. Um, depressing mm -hmm. because even if they say that well you know what I'm not going to say I've heard people praise my book for things that I didn't like about it sure, yeah. sure. of course makes sense there you go yeah. yep for sure um, yeah um, actually last question for you guys um, whiskey ratings you both score whiskey any um, any insider like our, uh, li listeners I mean I'm sure you get asked this all the time what are your methods what do you do uh, anything you want to share as to how you taste whiskey and score whiskey Fred and I were talking about this over lunch today. We both do essentially the same thing. Mm -hmm. We taste the whiskey several times yes. on different days yep. and in f different flights. So we're comparing it to different whiskeys. Okay. And so we, that's how we do it. And we, and we uh, now there are two things I do. I mm -hmm. have a a, um, a reference whiskey that I use so that it, yeah. this, I do the this, same this, thing. This, this is, this is my, thing. like, like yeah. Glenn, Glenn Livett, 12 year old, Scores eighty points. Mm -hmm. It's better than that. Worse than that. Okay. Right. 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 Okay. Uh -huh. Okay. And, and and so you can you um, I do that. The other thing um, is that I don't really believe in giving numbers, but I'm paid to write reviews yeah. on which I have to give numbers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I do that, and I'm very careful to follow the instructions on how to give numbers. But if you read my reviews in different publications you'll see that the guide is not always the same sure. okay that makes sense so uh, yeah you know when people say you scored you scored 84 here and you scored 83 here well that's because the guide was a little bit different mm -hmm. and yeah. i respect the guide because they're getting all their it's difficult for people to understand that but i totally get that because i i have to fall into other people's uh guides as well and i'm the same way uh i too taste i will taste uh three times mm -hmm. and uh i try to do it on uh, three different days um you know, there was a an interview that influenced me from the 1940s, um, and that was the Stitzelweller distiller Will McGill talking about his tasting methods, and the Seagram, um, you know, chemist research guy, uh, kind of challenging those, and the guy said, "I do everything by hand and nose. I don't use any computers, any chemi you know chemistry instruments, anything. It's just all me. Mm -hmm. You know, Stitzelweller whiskey's me." Yeah. And uh, that influenced me, 
And the other guy said, well, what if you ate an onion that day? Wouldn't your palate be influenced? What if you had a cold? Wouldn't you be influenced by that? And I think that's some of what the scoring method is. It's the human element. And um, inevitably, I have scored whiskeys and then gone back and tasted them and said to myself, I pick up something different now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a different time of year. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's a different uh, mm-hmm. different feeling for myself. Um, and so, I mean, interestingly, the score will still be about the same. But I actually like scoring them. I like ranking things. <laughs> you know, I guess it's because it comes from my sports mindset. Like, sure. You know, AP top 25 or, you know, the best you know, the top three hockey teams or whatever. I mean, I like, I like rating things. That's, that's how I read. And, and so I really get jazzed up about scoring things. Yeah. Um, I am, uh, I score things really low. I have a tendency to be lower uh, than a lot of reviewers. So I'm very, very, very critical of things that have flaws in them. So mm-hmm. if I taste, uh, if I pick up any like turpentine or something like that, I'm going to penalize you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't mind talking about it. I am. I've I use very similar methods. Um, do a bunch of blind. I do blind tastings usually five to six, and then three, four times, uh, comparatively different things. Um, the other thing I interesting found about diet. You mentioned uh, what you eat. Um, there was a, a couple of weeks where I wasn't feeling very well. I had a cold, but I also started eating just a lot of salty stuff. I had sandwiches. I had salty soups, and I just had a lot of sodium intake, which I normally don't. I don't normally have a lot of you know. And I found every whiskey was tasting completely differently. Um, and I found for the better. So normally you mentioned uh, Glenlivet is a perfect 80. I agree. It's like a, it's a perfect 80 score. Like mm-hmm. if I think of 80, I think of Glenlivet 12. Um, and, um, and I was reaching for Glenlivet. I'm like, hey, this tastes pretty sweet and not bad. And I didn't actually like it wasn't as I wasn't as critical of it with just that high sodium diet. It just everything tasted a little sweeter, a little punched up. Um, and I think that's, you know, an interesting kind of like, but it wasn't just because I had one salty meal. It was just and a week. And if you smoked, it would be different. Sure. Absolutely. You know? And, 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 and it's we not to say, individually, we're all influenced differently by and, what and we And eat. that's not to say smokers have uh, lesser palates, but mm-hmm. everyone will have a you know a different style and stuff to to go for and i'm very sensitive to to wood like i won't like i don't know how julian van winkle uh put together so many brilliant 23 year old bourbons because i don't think anyone's been able to effectively do it as well as he has and um you know wood is something that i don't like tasting in uh in anything so if you like licking a tree, by all means, <laughs> knock yourself out. But he, Two of the best tasters I know are smokers. Charlie McLean's a smoker. Serge Valentin's a smoker. And they have palates that you just w- would kill for. Every oh, chef in the world I was going to say, every chef in the like, world yeah. So many chefs are smokers, too. So there you go. Yeah, so smoking has nothing to do with it. A lot of people want to dismiss smokers. Larry Rice, who owns uh, Silver Dollar, he's got a brilliant palate. Joy Perini, who's nice. in the Bourbon Hall of Fame. Uh, a bartender in Louisville, brilliant palate. Yeah. So, I mean, smoking is, as um, I think it does influence uh, what you prefer, but I don't think it does impact your ability to taste things. Right, because what you prefer and what you score are two different yeah. things, just like if, you know, it's just two different elements of the same I will thing. say that um, having a whiskey palate mm-hmm. uh, killed my wine palate. Mm-hmm. Like, I used to have... <laughs> Me too! Yeah. <laughs> That's I don't that's, drink wine at all anymore. That's the thing that I used to. I used to be very strong in wine. Same now, here, yeah. now I go back and it's like, yeah, screw it. I just have a, you know, 
Merlot or Pinot or yeah, just Cabernet like a dry or, red, whatever. Yeah. Actually, uh, hey, beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks this has been great. Before we go, can I yes. send a shout out? Yes, yes of course. To Nino Marchetti at the Whiskey Watch. I know he's a big fan of this show, this, this podcast. Nino Marchetti, Whiskey Watch, big fan of this of this podcast. We just spent three days together drinking nothing but Crown Royal. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. We love shout outs here. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you for being yes. listening. Well, and, and, sure. and a shout out to him for, uh, he just learned that his uh, website, Whiskey Wash, is the number one rated whiskey website in the world. Amazing. Oh, awesome, awesome. Well, go. that doesn't surprise no, me. That's no, that's a great website. That no, 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 it's a great website. Really, yeah. really well done. Yeah. Yeah. It does yeah. a good Absolutely. job. Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming on. Cheers. Thanks Cheers. Bye.